Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. She was very good at putting people together at a dinner table. She knew where to put people. So she, she, she was what you'd call a connector. She was almost certainly a person who was abused. She has such a warped mind and doesn't know right from wrong. She was useful to Jeffrey Epstein. He came into that circle, but who brought him into that circle? Ghislaine Maxwell. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Ghislaine Maxwell was the Queen Bee of the London social set, and later she mixed with New York's elite, courting billionaires, presidents and celebrities. Her epic fall from grace has pitted her as a victim of her paedophile lover Jeffrey Epstein. But is their case really all about his abuse of girls and minors to fulfil his insatiable sexual appetite, or is it far more about money and about power? Journalist Matthew Steeples of online blog The Steeple Times has spent years investigating the case and trying to follow the Maxwell money trail from a group of London pensioners into the laundering capitals of the globe. He tells me about his own views on Maxwell and how he believes that she was the one who wore the trousers in the relationship with Epstein. We talk hidden cameras, a secret address book and a money trail right into the heart of their twisted world. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. First question I have for you is to explain to me what is a socialite? What is their purpose? And what was that social scene like in the late 80s in London? Well, a socialite is a person who... um, has money and wealth and doesn't have much to do, really. Somebody who who likes to flit around the events and be seen and be noticed. Um, you know, a, 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 not, a most notable one was probably a lady called Tara Palmer Tompkinson, who was, um, you know, a close friend of the royal, uh, friend of the royal family. Um, you know, she was famous for being seen at parties, and that's what these people did. They 
They didn't really do much else. They, they weren't noted for their brain power. They were noted for being photographed and doing silly things. Um, the things have changed, have they, on the social scene? Because nowadays, sort of back when we're talking about in the late 80s, early 90s in London, you had to have money to be involved in that social scene. You had to be somebody. You had to have a bit of heritage. Nowadays, it's probably the social influencers, the stars of Love Island and such that are the ones that are, are, are the modern day socialites. The world has changed because of the internet, as you suggest, um, and the thing called TikTok and um, Instagram. And now these people are famous for taking snaps. I was in Saint-Tropez only a couple of days ago and I was in a restaurant and all these people were videoing their friends and standing there and they think they're famous, but what are they famous for? It's rather like the socialite, but it's a different form of it. And and it's young. they're much younger than they used to be and they they live through their Instagram accounts. They... They, and they actually believe that they are famous. Well, they control it a bit more maybe as well, you know, as, as things have gone forward. They are the ones taking their pictures and approving them before they put them out. There are instances when people do use this for good. And I knew this young lady who was studying at um, fashion college. And when lockdown happened, she, she set up a business um, making um, clothing out of football scarves and Kim Kardashian watched this and then she, she at the age of 19, started a business and now employs six or seven people and that's somebody who's been creative and used it for good. But um, I think most of these people are just vain and vacuous. So bringing us back to the late 80s and the reason we're talking about this time is, of course, because of Ghislaine Maxwell jailed for 20 years for her role in five counts of sex trafficking. Um, and she's obviously majorly in the news. But back then, she was very much the queen bee of the London social set. And she did come from that heritage I described. She was vastly wealthy. Her father was Robert Maxwell. Just tell me a little bit about her and, you know, where she was popping up in London, how significant she was in those times. Well, Ghislaine, Ghislaine was born into a family of wealth and privilege. She had an education um, at Oxford University. I don't know how bright she was, but she does... If, if you listen to her TED Talks, she comes across quite intelligently on about her passion, which is the oceans. But she was socialising when she was at university with Boris Johnson, Rachel Johnson, people like that. She, she was at school and university with Cressida Dick, the Metropolitan Police former commissioner. Um, she knew... Lots of very famous people. She was photographed with people like um, George Hamilton. Um, you know, she she knew people from across the social divide of of politics and privilege and power and society because of of who her father was because he owned a newspaper that gave them a lot of access. You know, she was seen with the Marquis of Bath. She was seen with. You know, American people. She was. She, she, it was a very international jet set lifestyle she led. Her home, home in London, until she moved to the Kinnerton Street house, where the famous photograph was taken, was in South Kensington. She's always been in the, the, the centre of London, um, and she was obviously invited here, there, and everywhere. And her address book, which I have a copy of, um, 
it, it lists aristocrats, it lists people like Bernie Eccleston. It's it's a whole mixture of different people, but they are all people that are useful. And I believe that that address book was her address book rather than Jeffrey Epstein's address book because most of the people I know who are in that address book said that we, ne- we never actually met this man, Jeffrey Epstein, knowing, well, they, they never knowingly met him, but they would have, if they had met him, they would have remembered him, I'm sure, but they, did, they, they claim not to have met him, but they did know her. And she ran a thing in the 80s called the Kit Kat Club, which was a sort of social network. Um, you know, it was a prior thing to all these things like... Um, Facebook and all of that. It was a it was a, a real life social network, and she was very good at putting people together at a dinner table. She knew wh- where to put people so X could do wh- Y with Z. It was she 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 was what you'd call a connector. Mm. And grew up in a, a very in a home with a very very domineering father that has been well documented. Robert Maxwell had nine children. She was the youngest. And he seems to have verbally abused each one of them um, over his time. He was a very, very powerful figure. He, he not only verbally abused her, um, if you believe the word of a lady called Eleanor Berry, whose book I have here, um, My Unique Relationship with Robert Maxwell, The Truth at Last. Um, Eleanor Berry was the daughter of Lord Hartwell of the Daily Telegraph. Um, and Eleanor Berry... Um, in her book, talks of how she was in a room with Ghislaine at the age of nine and Ghislaine told her that her father was going to beat her and she was allowed to choose what instruments of choice she would be beaten with and there were whips and chains and shoehorns and all sorts of things and the fact is, if you believe Eleanor Berry... um, Ghislaine was abused as a child physically by her father as well as mentally. Um, All the other siblings talk of how they were shouted at and in Ghislaine's um, statement prior to sentencing, she talks of the tyranny of her father's abuse um, as being one of the reasons for what she did. Um, She never apologises to her victims, but she's very good at blaming other people. Now, Mm. she was almost certainly a person who was abused, but that she went on to become an abuser is not justifiable because she was abused. If you've been abused, surely you would want to help other people. But I I know many people who have been abused do become abusers. Um, And Dr. Serum Das, who we spoke about and we we met at the crime conference, um, he, he... said to me, you know, 85% of abusers have been abused. So Mm. that may explain why she has such a warped mind and doesn't know right from wrong. You had your own uh, slight meeting with Robert Maxwell when you were a child yourself, and he was a very frightening figure, wasn't he? He is somebody who shouts and screams and yells, and he he is a bully. The Mm. The man was a tyrannical bully, but... Then there was a stranger, softer side to him, which was elaborating one of the TV shows in which the secretary of of his secretary said she, she would he would be he would phone his daughter and he would sit there going meow meow and he he would sit watching videos of the Holocaust looking for his dead relatives. So he himself was a very damaged person, which may explain mm. why he equally didn't have. 
the right moral compass. Now, in 1991, Robert Maxwell fell off the back of his super yacht, the Lady Ghislaine. We don't think nobody's really come to proper conclusions about exactly what happened, whether it was a suicide attempt or if he simply had an accident. But um, things changed dramatically then for the family, or certainly should have, because it was around that point that it was recognised that 500 million almost had gone missing from the Mirror uh, Group pension funds. And I think your own investigations have brought you to a very interesting dynamic that happened around that time, which would link the Maxwells and Epstein before others have maybe linked them? Well, um, in, in 1991, after Robert Maxwell died by whatever means or was killed or had an accident, fell, whatever happened, um, Ghislaine immediately gave a statement saying, you know, now I have lost everything. I don't even have teaspoons in my house. They've taken everything from me. She had no money. What had happened the money, Matthew? Because I remember years later, uh, probably towards the end of the 90s, when I was working for the Daily Mirror and the pension funds had gone missing. And while the younger people didn't really kind of understand the significance of it, certainly older people that were working there at the time were still very traumatised by it. So what, what had actually gone on? Well, basically, Robert Maxwell had been moving money around from his company's pension funds to try and prop up his failing businesses because he had overextended by buying newspapers in New York and all sorts of other things. And he stole 500 million and... Prior to his death, he was about to come back to London to face the music. He, his, his own staff were saying, you know, where is this money? And he, wasn't, he refused to answer the questions. Um, I believe that Robert Maxwell went to New York. He met with Jeffrey Epstein, and Jeffrey Epstein helped him funnel money through dubious means in um, trusts in places like Liechtenstein, Switzerland, Panama... Channel Islands. Um, that that is where I believe this money went. I believe Robert Maxwell knew Jeffrey Epstein before his daughter, and then after his death, his daughter moves to New York and takes up with this man Jeffrey Epstein. There then is a photograph of Ghislaine and Betty Maxwell at a memorial lunch for Robert Maxwell, with Jeffrey Epstein sat in the middle of them. Now, he would not be sitting in the middle of them at a memorial lunch unless he was a person connected to them very closely because you, know, you wouldn't be at the top table unless you were a real friend. And the 500 million are thereabouts that went missing. So what happened after that? I mean, did Maxwell die supposedly broke? And did the authorities come after the family to try and recuperate some of that money? The, the authorities investigated the family and they charged... Kevin and Ian Maxwell, but they were eventually exonerated. You know, it's rather like with the Madoff family. The two, the two sons were accused of being involved. They said, we don't know anything about it. You know, in the Madoff case, you know, one son died of cancer and one committed suicide. Um, you know, sometimes these relatives with, with powerful, horrible, bullying fathers, they probably don't know that much. Epstein ran money out of the British Virgin Islands because that was a very good place to do so, to be tax efficient. And, mm. and obviously, um, Ghislaine was able to use this man 
to, to her benefit because within a year of moving to New York, she lives in a $10 million house. And at the time of her arrest, when she lied, and she, she, was, she has been called out by Judge Nathan for this lie, she, she said, I only have um, my home in London. That's my only asset, $2 million. And then when she wanted bail, she claimed she'd got $23 million. So she is very capable of lying about finances as much as she's capable of lying about abusing. So just bringing it back to that statement she made, they've taken everything from me. She sort of made out that she had literally not got a teaspoon left. Look, these rich people, when they say they're broke, it's very different to ordinary people being broke. Um, But she essentially sort of said she was leaving London with nothing. She was going essentially penniless as such into the New York social scene to try and reestablish herself. But as you say, within a very short space of time, she's the owner of a $10 million mansion. Yes, and, and, and frankly, that shows that she, she had lied, that she, wasn't, she was not broke. And you're quite right, if you're a person living in a council estate and you need to go to the food bank, you're in a very different position to somebody with an address book like hers, where you can find somebody who can help finance you and you know, who will realise that you've got usefulness and she was useful to Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein was a taxi driver who became a teacher. He was clearly a very intelligent man and he became a Ponzi schemer and he managed to avoid jail for that. Some other man went down for that and suddenly then he, he, he's living in a $100 million property um, and he's got an island that's for sale currently for $110 million, you know, where did all his money come from? And, you know, the likes of Jess Staley, the Barclays ch- chairman, who um, CEO, who has now left that company, he was, he was spending time with him. He, was th- he came into that circle. But who brought him into that circle? Ghislaine Maxwell. And obviously, and we've heard it played out, that she was bringing in a conveyor belt of, of young masseuses and schoolgirls and... Uh, kids from trailer parks for him to abuse. I would say those people were brought in to be used for blackmail. So, mm. so they were given to people who not, none of whom have been charged. The only one who was brought to just well was brought was arrested was this John Luke Brunel, and he's now dead. So he wasn't even brought to justice, and she was the brain. I would say. Jeffrey Epstein was the functionary and Ghislaine Maxwell was the controller. Now, did you know her much, Matthew? You'd met her a number of occasions. I never knowingly met her. I've met her siblings. I was at the last public event that she attended in London in, in the summer of 2019. It was for a charity called Cash and Rocket. It was run by um, a lady called Julie Brangstrup. And Miss Brangstrup... Um, was running this cash and rocket rally. It was a car race from London to Monaco for the benefit of victims of sex trafficking, ironically. Um, And it it was female drivers. And one of the drivers was Ghislaine, who was with Nick Mason's wife, the Pink Floyd drummer. Um, And they were driving an Alfa Romeo, which weirdly I had a photograph of. Um, And, um, and, the party was at a restaurant very near here called Bibendum. And uh, the reason nobody took any pictures of Ghislaine was people like Paris Hilton were in this rally and everybody was taking pictures of her. So um, it's quite bizarre that 
her last event was an event for victims of sex trafficking when she was actually a sex trafficker herself. And when it began to unravel, was there, you know, was there shock back in London um, that this is what she'd been doing? Um, A friend of mine who I was speaking to last night who knew Ghislaine very well and whose husband, ex-husband, was a close um, associate of Prince Andrew, um, a billionaire who helped fund him, Um, she... She said, I just can't believe this of this lady. This lady is calm and, you know, she's pleasant. Um, Another lady I knew lived with Ghislaine in New York for a time and a British aristocrat, and she said she was a bully. She said she always belittled me and she was always mean to women and she preferred the company of men um, and she, she could be very vicious like her father. Um, so there's two different contrasting sides to her. There's the side where, you know, if you read the the statement she put to the court prior to sentencing, all of these people say she was always the first to help. She'd always get you money if you needed it. She'd, she'd always, you know, if you, if you had nowhere to stay, she'd find you somewhere to stay. But other people say this woman was vicious. Um, one of the five victims who I speak with regularly, she has nothing but contempt for her. And she comes from a... a a society background herself. She said the woman was vicious and a bully. And if you were watching the making of a monster on Channel 4, um, which has brought up new interviewees who haven't been heard from before, including a South African couple who ran ran that island, um, all of them seemed to say that there was this sort of very strange, creepy weirdness that surrounded her and Epstein, and yet the, it was totally normalised when you were in their presence. Things would happen and you'd it would take you some time to actually kind of work out that that had actually occurred. You know, people were shocked. If you look at their house manual, you know, it's... it's um, you speak when you're spoken to, you're seen when we want to see you, you do things our way, you do not answer back. Every, you know, she wanted to play the role of God, it's rather like when she was interviewed by the FBI and asked, where are you a citizen of? She said, I'm a citizen of Terra Mar. She didn't say I'm a citizen of Britain, um, America and France. Um, and the irony, and many of the people I know who knew her do say, agree with me when I would suggest, if she had had any sense, instead of staying in America, she should have gone to France. She would be like Roman Polanski. She would never have been extradited. But she is so deviant um, that she believed that she was above the law. And mm. she, could be, she could be living it up in the south of France now. She doesn't have to be. She, would, she rightly is in prison, but she didn't have to be because she was a French citizen. Um, you know, she's now trying, again, in her arrogance, she's appealing to the UN she, about her human rights. She's trying to get her sentence moved to Britain, which, you know, she has been an American citizen now for 30 years. So she should serve her time in America. But because mm. of her character, she believes that everybody should do things her way. And this is why she hasn't named names, because she still thinks that these people are her friends. They're not her friends anymore. They've gone. Mm. And her life is going to be spent in a horrible American prison. And because she's a a woman who abused women and many other female prisoners do not like 
women who abuse women because they've probably got children themselves. And mm. she has created her own de- destiny, destiny by her deviancy. There's so much of this story to untangle, really. I mean, we've touched on it there with the, the people that were brought into their company, um, non-identified, powerful people who may have, um, you know, been caught in compromising situations or in illegal situations, indeed, if the if the girls were unwilling or underage Um, and possibly there are videos out there, possibly not, but your own investigations, I think, um, have they centred on that 500 million, first of all, that went missing from the Daily Mirror and on the address book? Um, I think the most important thing in any story of, of involving people of this type is follow the money because the money is what this was all about. I'm, you know, I'm very sad for the poor victims and I sympathise with them and, you know, I've spoken with some of them. But this this for Ghislaine and Jeffrey Epstein wasn't a game about about using women. The women were, the women were unfortunately part of the process. It was about funneling stolen money so they could, they could lead good lifestyles and the Maxwell family, um, I believe, because of the way they have approached me during my research, they are more worried about their money than they are about their sister. You know, their sister, the siblings, did not even know that Ghislaine had got married in 2016 until she was arrested. Now, now they are claiming they want... She wants, She's claiming she wants to be put in prison to, in Britain to be close to her siblings. It's not about... that. They are not a close family. They... She, mm. she had obviously ghosted them out of her life. Um, how, the, the brothers do say they did meet Jeffrey Epstein, but only once or twice. Um, she led a, a separate life to them. They care about protecting their wealth and their power. Mm. And, you know, the, the sister who I met, um, Isabel, I, didn't, I was introduced to her when I lived in part of the time in California. And Isabel was um, a lady I was I met this this gentleman called Dale Jurassi Mr Jurassi's family invented the birth control pill and he was on the board of a film festival that I used to go to he he had a ranch in a place called Woodside where they invited artists and this lady said oh, I'm an internet tycoon I'm Isabel Jurassi and I was like very nice to meet you and I, I, I had no idea that she was a Maxwell she never told me any of that um, they're, they're now divorced but but um, at that ranch Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine got the idea to, to get their ranch because having an out of the way place to them appealed and the ranch in New Mexico that they owned well that Jeffrey Epstein owned I, I whether he actually was the real owner is another matter. Um, you know, this was a 30,000-square-foot house, but it had an 8,000-square-foot computer room. You, what do you need an 8,000-square-foot computer room? You know, we're sitting here talking via a laptop. You know, most normal yeah. people do not have have basements full of computer rooms unless you are planning to blackmail people with you and film them. You know, the house in New York had over 100 cameras in it. Um, mm. So what? What the, the reason for the these young ladies was that you know the likes of Bill Clinton, who flew on the jet twenty seven times, could be filmed 
And, you know, there have been pictures of him having his shoulders massaged that, that have emerged. And conspiracy theories will abound around it, no doubt, as well. well. I get people writing to me telling me that Jeffrey Epstein is still alive. Now, right. I don't believe that personally. Um, how he died is another matter. That's another question that will always remain unanswered. And many people say to me, oh, um, you know... Is, 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 is Ghislaine still alive? Well, I know people who were in the courtroom. She is very much alive. I don't believe that, you know, that the, the conspiracy is all very well. But, and sometimes weird things do happen, but there is often a more logical route to the truth. And the truth of this is that this was a lady who used people to protect her family's wealth. It was more about money to her and power. And... Jeffrey Epstein was her assistant rather than him being the one in charge. People get it the wrong way around, I think. Yeah, that's a very interesting take on it because even in The Making of a Monster, there is very much a strong suggestion that she was bowled over completely and utterly in love with him and she was only providing these women for him because he had this sexual appetite that she couldn't keep up with, that she felt like she was the queen bee amongst all this and and was quite happy to turn a blind eye and to provide him with these girls. The blind eye is the key thing with her with regards to these, these women because... To her, those women, as she said, they're trash. She yeah. said she viewed yeah. these people as beneath her. They were they were subhuman to her. They they were just there to be used. And you know, she'd grown up in a world where people were dis- dispensable. And you know, her father used to relieve himself off the top of of the mirror offices and to the people of Fleet Street because he had contempt for the public that read his newspapers that provided his income. He didn't mm. respect. They had no respect for anybody. You know, meanwhile, Ghislaine, who claimed to have lost everything, goes to America and lives a life of privilege. And she has the arrogance to buy a, buy a house whilst on the run called Tucked Away. You know, everything is an up yours to the system. She, she has no respect for the, for the court. Um, you know, she, she, she didn't feel the need to even speak in the court. Um, she didn't feel this. She used the word victim four times in her pre-sentencing report. And each time the victim was her. Um, you know, we are dealing here with a lady who is so above the law and so arrogant. And it is shameful the way that her, her siblings just excuse it and then try and say, oh, she, was, she, was mal- she suffered malnutrition. She, she was weighed when she went into prison at 146 pounds. She now weighs 144.5. That, that is not a great change. Um, they no. said her hair had fallen out. People I know who were in the courtroom, they said her hair looked perfect. She had perfectly normal hair. You know, she went to the court when she, when allowed to dress in her own clothes. She wore she wore cashmere jumpers. You know, she's not she's not someone who's uh, on the breadline and needing the food bank. She and she will have spent a vast amount of her fortune uh, on on paying her lawyers. The bills will be upwards of ten million dollars, I would believe. Um, but even so, she's, that, that still leaves her $13 million left of legitimate money. I believe there is far more money and it's well hidden in places like Panama. Um, you know, some of the people I talk to go, go down this route of her and Mossad and all of this. I'm, I'm less interested in that. Um, but, you know, there are things that are odd. That, you know, she, is a, she had a submarine pilot license and that island had a submarine docking station. There are so many theories out there, but 
the most important thing here is 500 million went missing that was meant for pensioners. And, you know, as a journalist, we can do so much. We can dig and we can root through public documents, but we don't have powers outside that. Is that money still being actively searched for by those in authority who have much greater powers into banking systems, etc.? Well, the authorities clearly have given up on all of this because... It happened in the 90, you know, it happened in the 1990s. The, the detectives that would have dealt with it are long gone. It's a bit like um, Azul Nadir. I don't know if you remember the Polly Peck fraudster. The, the reason he came back to Britain um, was that he thought that the documents would have now faded. And he wanted to have medical treatments in Britain. And he got here and unfortunately for him, they hadn't faded. So he went to prison. Um, but... I think most of the paperwork of this will be long gone and forgotten and the detectives dealing it would have disappeared. And I can give you another instance connected to Ghislaine. Um, I I had a secretary who worked for me who lived in a a street called Stanhope Gardens and um, in 1994 the detectives, Metropolitan Police, came to her and said, we need to borrow your apartment to do some surveillance of a house opposite. And we didn't connect this until recently, until 2020, when we discovered that Ghislaine had the house opposite. And the detective said, there is a lady here running a brothel. And there were young girls coming and going, 1994, out of her house. And I, I published this lady's statement. She doesn't want to go out. She doesn't want to be, talk about it because rightly, you know, I've been threatened by the, the Maxwell's associates. Um, you know, they have powerful people. And this is an elderly lady now who, whose home was used. And I wrote about it. Channel 4 came to me and they said um, that they named the building. And I hadn't ma- named the building where this lady lived, but they, knew, they said, we have another person from the same building whose flat was used and we want your lady to go on record. And, you know, that... Why did the Metropolitan Police do nothing about her in 1994? And why has she not been investigated in Britain? So going forward in this, and she's obviously appealing her 20-year sentence, she's incensed that she has been found guilty and is consistently refusing to engage with victims, apologise or admit any sort of guilt in in all of this. She, as you say, has viewed herself as a victim. Um, But going forward, is there going to be any major fallout? Is there anything in that address book you have? Are there people in that who should be worried? Or does that kind of sense of power and money prevail no matter what? Well, the the next stages, apart from her appeal, are that... um Virginia Roberts Gafori um, is she currently is being um, it, she's in, involved in a court case with Alan Dershowitz, um, who claims that you know she's made up things about him. Um, so that will that will that will be one of the next stages. And Virginia Roberts also uh, has been accused by one of the other victims, and there is supposedly going to be an investigation into that. Um, the lawyers have said that if Prince and they want they want Prince Andrew further investigated, and and if he goes to America, you know the FBI will want to question him. He will just not go to America. Um, 
I think this will rumble on for a very, very long time. But mm. I don't, I don't think anybody very powerful, like for example Clinton or Trump, or um, you know, people say things about Bill Gates, and you know, some of these people quite rightly have said, like Piers Morgan. You know, we, we, we were in a photograph. You know, it was like when we were at the crime conference, somebody could have taken a photograph of you and I together. And, mm. and then if, if you or I were accused of something, they'd say, oh, well, you're an associate. But sometimes some of these people, you know, you only met them, met them briefly. Elon Musk, he says, the woman stood in the back of my photograph. He mm. said he never met her. Um, I think, you know, the, the people on, on Twitter which is where I get a lot of my information, they all continually go on about why has, no, you know, why has the, this woman been sent to prison for sex trafficking people to nobody who exists? And for her, for her to be convicted of this, she's got to have sent them somewhere. So who are these people? And they should, they should be brought to justice. But I think that the, the likelihood is very low, unfortunately. Because really, you know, in the end of the day, it's all is about the money and money is all powerful. But think about Prince Andrew, who's who said, you know, I never met this woman. I I was able to prove that Ghislaine had lied about the house. I was the first person to get the picture of the bathtub in her house, which she said was too small for anything to happen in. It was a standard sized bathtub um, that, you know, Prince Andrew then came out with the statement you know, I, I never met this woman and I don't sweat and all of this nonsense and I was in Pizza Express. Why did he then pay her 12 million? You don't pay 12 million to somebody if you didn't do something. And Matthew, do you get often warned off this story in, in your own social circles? And are No, you... I've had messages from people who knew her and worked with her in the 80s and 90s and they said, you, you are to leave this alone and you're to stop. That only encouraged me more. Mm-hmm. And you're you're working on a, a kind of a you're working on a book at the moment in relation to the case. The book the book I plan to write you know finish sooner, but I, I keep finding more and more. Yeah, it's one of those stories that's going to go on and on. So I've got to keep digging. There's a lot more to do, and I've got a few trips to Switzerland and the likes to have meetings with some people who are actually very good at investigating financial propriety, and I will. Keep digging for now. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, Matthew Steeples, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for your time. And it was a great pleasure to meet you in London. And I hope to see you again very soon. Absolutely. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, Why not download the sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.